otherwise on SAFM. Happy Freedom Day, Nzansi. Welcome to Otherwise Talking Women on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. My name is Shadow Twala. show is produced by Hazel Marcuseni and Derek Fordyce is our technical producer for today. Our contact details are 0892102010. Email otherwise at safm.co.za. Tweets at otherwise safm or at Shadow Twala. Now, it's a triple whammy for me, neither am I. I'm not only celebrating Freedom Day, but it's also my daughter's birthday and my father's birthday. So, hey, this day is a very special one to me, but I'm not sure how you are spending your Freedom Day. And wherever you are, thank you for allowing us into your space. Coming up today, Malik Andlovo is a... Uh, curator and presenter for BadilishaPoetry.com, a unique African poetry podcasting platform, a founder member of Cape Town-based women's writers collective Weave. She talks to us, though, about an event that is taking place at the Story Club this Wednesday, April 29th, and she'll tell us what to expect and why we should look forward to it. And then Women and Communities Against Xenophobia campaign march on the 28th of April, and that's tomorrow. And Dr. Leslie Ann Foster, Executive Director of Masimanyane, uh, will tell us how we can support that. And I think it is happening. I must just, I must just get my facts straight on the 28th, yes. And it's, it's in East London. That's where it's happening. So do tune in. Then we trace the journey of Yakalingomo with Percy Mabandu, who is the researcher and writer of the book, Yakalingomo, of course, that is the Winston Mangunku song, um, Yakalingomo, and he'll tell us a bit more about it. But first, let me, um, and there's no lunch by today because we plan to play some music in between. So Malika joins me now on the phone. Hello, Malika. Hello, Tushado. It's really good to hear your voice and to celebrate with you more than one thing today. I know, I know. It's such a very special day. And I'm glad that you were there to talk to us today because I know you've got the story club that is happening and that you're part of uh, tomorrow. But before we do that and get into that story... I want you, and, and because you're so talented, I like doing this to you all the time. <laughs> I thought, Throw me in the deep end. <laughs> I thought you could give us an inspirational poem about the day, the Freedom Day that we're celebrating today. And I'm sure you've got something handy in your head somewhere. Well, sister, it's not directly, you won't hear the word freedom in it, but you surely should be able to extract how there is a connection. Because this is a performance that's um, part of the Cape Town Story Club, mm-hmm. this is a piece about, uh, perhaps, you know, I guess indirectly about how our stories are interconnected. So whether that's mm. her stories or his stories, mm. it's about the wealth um, of this ancestry and of our experience and how this is a resource we really need to recognize, value, preserve, and, and um, apply in our times, if you like. Um, the wisdom of the stories we've inherited, but also our histories um, mm. and our ancestry as well, honoring those who came before us, how they got us to be here, what they gave us to towards our healing and investment in the future. And it comes at an important time because we're having these Afrophobic attacks and or xenophobic attacks, whatever you're calling them. So I think it yeah. is very appropriate to, to have a conversation about this, and I'm happy that you're here to do that. So let's see what we can extract from your poem. Our stories are ancient and brand new. Our stories recognize each one of us continue waiting for him, for her, for you. Our stories know 
weave themselves within the light birth, life, death, light rebirth, life, death, light rebirth continuum. We are living them. We are being carried by them. We are carrying them. We embody their endless beginnings and endings. Our stories are complex and simple, strange and familiar. Turning and turning, turning and returning. Encompassing all we were born to experience. Our stories are patient and resilient. Turning and returning, giving meaning to our existence. Turning and returning, one, each one with its vibration, each one holds its resonance. Our stories are ancient and brand new. Our stories recognize each one of us continue waiting for him, for her, for you knowing that healing is in the telling. Turning and returning. Continuating. Yeah. I like that. Continuating. Malika, stay, <laughs> stay on the line because we need to unpack that. Stay on the line, yeah. taking a little break, and we'll come back after this. Otherwise, on SAFM. Talking about how poetry and art and storytelling can help heal and grow ourselves. My guest is Malika Anglovo. Malika, thank you. What do you call that poem you've just given us? This is the introductory piece um, called Turning and Returning. Turning and Returning uh, and Continuating. <laughs> in the continuum of life, death, and rebirth. Oh, man, life, death, and rebirth. I mean, th- that, that is such a pregnant title, you know, Turning and Returning. Yes, and in terms of what you, you you kind of alluded to earlier, Shadow, the the Afrophobia or xenophobia, the remembrance of what Freedom Day actually means, the questioning of whether we are free, what does liberation on a national, on a continental, on a community, family, and then on a personal or spiritual level, what does this mean? What does it mean to be free, free to move, to express yourself, to evolve as a human being? Um, free to engage with, to be wherever you are, to travel, to migrate. I think all of those things are embedded in in this poem and in the idea that our stories are also interconnected. Mm-hmm. That um, you know, recently I've been I've been studying um, an arts in medicine course that literally looked at genetics and this incredible way in which genetics and linguistics and various um, mm-hmm. medical fields um, and academic fields have actually keep reinforcing this reality that we all actually do come from the same place. Uh, and dare I say, we're all African. <laughs> well, well, you know, um, I was reading Bongani Madondo's uh, I'm Not Your Weekend special, and then mm-hmm. he, he went searching in the Eastern Cape for the Farsi family, wanting to know where Brenda came from. And after yeah. talking to the elders, in fact, also discovered that we are so interconnected that there's no one of us, not one of us that can be 100% purely who we say we are, as we claim and call ourselves Absolutely. all these wonderful names and, 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 and tribes and clans, that it's sure. all interconnected eventually. And, and, and as simple as the reality of, you know, when I talk about turning and returning, it's obviously returning is also return to your roots, to your ancestry, to 
to in also to learn again. You know, we come we basically grow being given inherited stories and miseducation and also some information that sometimes needs to be revisited in order to interrogate what is it in the story that doesn't ring true or what is it that's no longer relevant for our times or what is it that someone has forgotten to pass on to the next generation. Mm. And a lot of the narrative right now has been about don't we remember who gave us shelter under apartheid? Mm-hmm. Don't we remember which countries were the places that grew, the, you know, MK and grew the kind of caliber of leadership that we once had? Um, all of that, there's an amnesia that the remembrance of our stories and the returning to the roots, the places where things happened, even on a TRC level, is a vital part of our understanding why we are behaving the way we are at this time. Malika, you know, a lot of our history has not been documented in many ways. And sure. even even before 1994 and the early uh, 1900s, we don't have much documentation. And yet, we've always had the dignity uh, to recognize each other, when, no matter how different we were. We yeah. always respected, we always had the Ubuntu. And I think even though our stories were not on paper, and it brings me to what you are doing now at the Story Club, because stories were passed on from generation to generation by by the mere fact of storytelling, which doesn't happen anymore. Absolutely. And we've got nowhere else to turn to because even our music does not get played as much anymore, which is part (laughs) of the documentation. So there's no way to look back or reflect on ourselves in ways that we know are true true uh, through musical books or even storytelling because the family as well is not a so, united family as well. The family structure that would have passed that mm-hmm. generational oral history down mm-hmm. has also been shattered by various economic, social, political factors. Mm. Absolutely. Um, I th- you know, I'm, I'm also a very defiant optimist. <laughs> I think that, you know, if you think about our country's history as, as a fire that has molded people, but has also destroyed parts of us, mm. that has scarred us forever, mm. <laughs> um, that for me, there's a kind of alchemy that creative expression um, does in the sense that we extract from that same wound or that place of rupture, that place of trauma, the place of injustice, we look into that crevice and ask, what is it that is useful for here and now? How can I be of service to my community? How can I retell and reshape the story so that it becomes an integration of what has happened rather than an amnesia and a suppression of it or a complete cosmetic you know, make over of it as if, because that's denial. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. and the truth will always out. You know, I have another poem that, that talks about the truth being buried, yet it will not die. It waits for you and I. There's an inevitability of the fact that the truth will eventually emerge. And right now, what we're experiencing is the truth of our state of the nation to use that phrase consciously, because often what we are told is the state of our nation isn't our authentic experience on the ground. Mm. It isn't a day-to-day, as you say, documentation of what's happening. Even the news is a soundbite of Mm. that reality. Mm -hmm. So the question is, who are the storytellers? If we say that we don't have those family structures and the classic scenario of an elder living with you in a common communal environment where they can pass down traditional stories in your mother tongue, use metaphors to explain the things of our times, that medicinal direct link, what else can we use? Mm. And 
I think we have to recognize that we are exactly the leaders we are waiting for. <laughs> we are who we've been waiting for, yes. Ourselves. Is that poem on truth and truth is both spirit and flesh? Yes. Ah, okay. Yes. Okay. But yes. now let, let, let's go back a bit because before we do things for community, for, for, for family, we need to heal ourselves. We need Absolutely. to heal before we can connect with what yeah. we need to do and contribute in a, in a positive yeah. way. Um, yeah. And I, I want to get to that source. You said, you know, go to the wound and go to the rapture. How do we get yeah. there? Sure. I mean, I think also if I look at what motivates a lot of our external aggression and violence and unforgiveness, it's actually our own pain. And it's, you know, an outward projection of something that should be about an inner journey, an inner process of taking responsibility for what it is that we are not making any better. At the very least, we can stop at that intersection of every day and every encounter and ask, if I don't feel well, if I feel unhappy, if I feel unseen, if I feel rejected, what I can't change how necessarily overnight how an external environment or other factors like other people, mm-hmm. I can't blame them entirely for what my experience is. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in that has to be a level of accountability that says I am shaping my reality and also not buy into this feeling of complete disempowerment. Mm. If you are told that if you don't have Imali, that you are not a person, you are not Mm. good enough, and the only way you're going to be good enough or be a man is if you have a woman, or you're going to be a woman if you have a man, or if you have money, or if you have a car or the right brand of tackies. All this external Mm. um, misinformation about where your strengths and your humanity and your dignity lies is the first um, you know, kind of fork in the road. And I think people forget that you can do something about your reality and your context simply by the perspective that you hold, how it is that you come to these things. And for me, as a, as a storyteller or maker or poet, performer, all of it is actually about asking the right questions rather than coming up with grand, you know, declarations of what I think it should be. Mm. <laughs> um, I ask myself, I look in the mirror and I ask, what is it that I have done in this scenario or not done Mm. to improve the situation? Mm. Do I honestly feel that someone is entirely entirely responsible for the state that I'm in? And the answer can't be yes. Not completely. It has to be. It has to be, wait a minute, uh, not completely. So if I slow down enough and if I'm courageous enough, that's kind of what I was pointing to earlier is that I think fear is behind all of it. Yes. If you have a wound or if you have a lack of, um, or a conscience that wants to speak and you're denying it, there's a fear that gets triggered. And the way that we often respond when we are afraid is we attack. Hmm. The opposite of that is a kind of love. It is a, the other pole is love. It's self love. Loving yourself enough to say, I need to be honest with myself. I need to be integrous. I need to look in the mirror and own the fact that I haven't taken care of my own, my own backyard. <laughs> mm-hmm. I haven't dealt with the things that need to be said. I haven't stood up in the places where I needed to confront what was a problem for me. I haven't told the truth. All of those things are, you know, they sound like simple exercises, but they're profound they're not. They're personal not. transformation process. They're not, and they and take the more time. You do that with, yeah, exactly. They the more you time. do that with yourself, 
the more you operate in the world with a little more compassion, knowing that other people are also suffering in that way, mm-hmm. that it's not easy to look inside. It's much easier to blame and attack on the outside. I think we must have story clubs everywhere. Now, Malika, yes, <laughs> Malika uh, you've just given us a taste of things to come, and I know you are um, performing with, with, with Lodi, uh, yes. Paul Inga, who who's who's who grew up in the DRC and and Mozambique, and yes. and uh, w- w- tell us what to expect from your collaboration because she's a gu- guitar player, huh? Yes, he is. A, he's a he. I thought it was a, a she. A, a, sorry. Yes, he's a he. <laughs> <laughs> a tall, handsome he. You got to come to the show. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> if he's so handsome, I'll be okay, there. Okay, I'm moving swiftly on. <laughs> so it's the, we have worked together since 2010 on a range of things, and ironically, the same kind of absolute, um, you know, shattering experience of ways in which um, xenophobia has played out over a consistent period of time and mm. Afrophobia in our country. Mm. Um, so at that time, we, we were part of a, an initiative on behalf of South African artists working with artists from the rest of the continent on a, a festival in Kailicha at Lookout Hill called Amani, mm-hmm. and which means peace. And uh, so it was installations, multimedia works. And at that time, Lodi and I had, had begun a first collaboration, his graduation project um, from CPUT as a graphic designer and animation filmmaker was um, about accumulating or a culmination of 20 refugee stories from Cape Town that he turned into a film as a story of one one character called Samba. Mm-hmm. And that, um, you know, visual projection, Tina Scow and I sang a kind of narrative to it, and he played music, and he speaks more than six languages, so he's mm-hmm. an absolute talent and resource. Um, and, this t- and we've also subsequently then created a show called Migrations, which started, obviously, with the literal thing of, of how we move and where we move. Mm-hmm. But also, as artists, you know, we wanted to explore not the cliché. We don't want, you know, some superficial exploration of what migration is. Some, you know, even the, the, the Imani Festival and the work that we've created together on and off over five years has not been an anti-approach. We don't... Our work is about pro <laughs> So it's pro-peace and pro-unity and pro-humanity and pro-Ubuntu because whatever you put energy into multiplies. And mm. my belief is that if you have an anti-attitude, you're already othering. Mm. You're mm. already against mm. something. And mm. the more resistance you create to it, you actually amplify that problem. Wow. It's the language that wow. has to change. And with the language is a mentality that also gets quite, you know, interrogated for the, you know, hopefully for, for the not for the first time. So this work that we're doing now is, is quite a joyful return because I have put, I'm you know was invited to do this on my own, but immediately when I looked at the kind of stories I'd want to tell and the idea of going back into my own biographical family tree, honoring my mother, my father, my grandfather, the many mentors who have grown me, including Baba Maziz Gunene and people like that, um, I wanted to also... Uh, Music is an essential part of storytelling, and I think it's, that's just the indigenous way, always, is we sing parts of our stories. We make music when the words can't go far enough or, you know, when we want to transcend the words. Mm. So Lodi has a beautiful way of doing that with me, with poetry and with storytelling. Um, so he'll also be singing in Lingala, possibly Swahili and French. Um, 
and again, and maybe Portuguese, about, and maybe Portuguese, because I, I, I take it he exactly he learned some in Mozambique, yes, Portuguese. Yes, exactly. And and this is another thing uh, in terms of the activism around shifting people's consciousness is that when we listen to music or poetry, when we listen to Yusun Do, when we listen to Salif Keita, are we asking them to translate into Ifingis or Zulu? Are we really? Oh, no. oh you know, you mentioned Yusun Do. This, this day is becoming so gorgeous because you mentioned, I was listening to Yusun as I was coming in. And when we yes. started, and the song I was listening to, which I'm going to play now, was called Generations. But he also yes. talks about ancestry and storytelling. Amazing! Wonderful. So <laughs> this is Beautiful how I'm going rhythm. to. This is how I'm going to end this interview. So, so Malika, we, we are running out of time, darling. So, everybody, who should come to the Story Club on on Wednesday? Anybody who has a love for how words and music weave together. Anyone who knows that that our stories are treasure. Um, so you'll hear stories in the form of poetry and narrative and biography, and you'll hear it in a couple of languages. Um, and it's in a beautiful historical site, which has enough stories of its own. That's St. Mark's Church um, mm. on the CPUT campus in District 6. Um, and it's from 7 to 9 p.m. this Wednesday, the 29th, at a really meager fee of, 20, of 60 rand or donations. Um, essentially, we just want people to come back and enjoy the, the space of being in community around story. And there's also an open mic uh, story session that usually warms up the Story Club once a month on the last Wednesday of the month. So anyone who feels they have a story to tell, a nice, succinct one, <laughs> um, the first half of the show is, is open to the public to share a story. And there's a facilitator or MC for that section. And there's a little break, and then we do an hour-long performance, which um, is my collaboration with Lodi. Sounds amazing. Sounds beautiful. Um, do you have a website, Malika, where we people can find more so, information? So on you? Uh, the Cape Town Story Club has a Facebook page which has all the details. But I can also give you two telephone numbers if you no, like. No, no. But talk. I also want Malika Ndlovu's Badilisha oh, poetry for you. Ah, <laughs> so here's the thing: is my I feel so frustrated right now. My my website is being reconstructed. So ah. you get to a page that says we are not available at the moment. <laughs> Please try again later. That's all. No problem. We'll keep trying until it's ready. Fantastic. Thank you. I thank you so much and enjoy the rest of your day. I look forward to Wednesday. Thank you for talking to us and very inspiring. Stay well, Shadow. Thank you. you Thanks. That's Malik Androvo. And her poetry publications include Born in Africa, but Womb to the World, a Labor of Love. Truth is both spirit and flesh, which she spoke about earlier. And, of course, a poetic memoir entitled Invisible Earthquake, a woman's journal through stillbirth, and two published plays, A Colored Place and Sister Briani. But I promised you that song. I think I'm going to play it now. And, and, and roughly, it just talks about these times and those times are different. In our ancestors' times, they got along with each other. In our ancestors' times, nobody starved to death. And he goes on about uh, how we should get to know our ancestors again and, and stop what is, is going on. When we come back, I'm speaking with Dr. Leslie Ann Foster uh, about women in communities against xenophobia campaign. And the march is on the 28th of April. Let's find out what is going on there and where we can go to join them. Otherwise, on SAFM.
Dr. Leslie Ann Foster, thank you for your time, and I'm so sorry that I've kept you holding on. No problem, no problem. How thank are you, you today? I'm very well, thank you. I'm very well. I'm in a meeting with the uh, African Women, African Wives um, Association. Yes. And we are discussing the particular problems that they're facing. Tell, give me a bit of background on Masimanyane. Uh, Masimanyane is an equality and social justice NGO in Based in East London, we provide critical support services to women and girls, mm-hmm. uh, victims of social of um, sexual violence. We've been going for 20 years next year. No, oh, congratulations. And yes, we have a huge footprint. We don't work only in the Eastern Cape. We work in 52 countries and have recently uh, set up an international network to end violence against women. Now, you said 52 countries were across the continent or across the world? Across the continent and the world. We've worked in the Middle East, we've done some work in Europe, we've done some work in Asia, yeah, a number of countries. So you are very strong to, to, to lead a, 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 very, a, a very significant march, I think, and, and bring this topic to the forefront because you've got such a large network you were asking to meet with people you had planned uh, for people to come in and 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 support and participate in the planning of the campaign uh, that is going the march which is going to be on wednesday is it wednesday right yes tomorrow 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 okay now now did you get a lot of response and what 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 have you come up with what can you tell us and how can we, we have, participate? Thank you. We've had a very, very huge response, mm-hmm. mainly because not nothing else was really happening on the ground here in the Eastern Cape, mm-hmm. uh, or East London area, rather. I should say Buffalo City area. So we've had, we sent out invitations to our entire network. We, first of all, formed a partnership with the Daily Dispatch, which is the largest local newspaper here providing news. And they have advertised this march the entire week on the front page. Fantastic. Uh, we also con- connected with the religious sector and have invited all of the various religions here to participate in this. And we had a very big response from that. We've worked with the labor movement because Sato has been represented here. And they have thrown in their lot with us. And then through the municipality, we worked with the PR councillors. They had connections with the foreign national business community, mm. and they brought in from every single grouping of people, um, can, you know, they, uh, groups that have come in. So we've got the Somalians, the Ethiopians, the Nigerians, the Ugandans, the Kenyans, the Zimbabweans, the Zambians, all have come to be part of the planning meeting. And we've included SATs. Um, the traffic department crime prevention because our focus is on preventing crime. We are a low risk area for xenophobia at the moment and we want to keep that, that, mm. you know, focus mm. and that status. We, the march is symbolic. It's in solidarity with all the other marches around the country. And it's really about saying we don't want the violence mm. to occur in our area. Mm. But following that, and in fact, in fact, this meeting today, is looking at what we can do at community level. Mm. So with the Daily Dispatch and the police, we are planning to have community dialogues to unpack what the situations are, the problems are that communities are facing, to build safety nets within those communities. Do we need disaster, you know, centers? 
do we need people that could provide early warning systems? And do we have people trained to respond if people are in danger, mm. foreign nationals are in danger? So where would we put them? What would we do? If they needed medical care, where would they get that? If they need, you know, food, if they need any kind of shelter, what and how would we do that? So we're looking at rolling out community dialogue and rolling out the concept of developing safer communities by building safety nets. So the project is a long, medium to long term project. Uh, it sounds, it sounds actually, you know, so, so, so proactive of you to, to, to be doing this because, you know, as, as we, as we, and I like the fact that you want, you don't want the, the, the violence to erupt and you, you building safety nets around it. But I think most of it will be concentrated on making sure that you're building communities as well, uh, and, and building dialogue between the individuals within the communities. Yes. Part of Masimanyani's work is, uh, you know, engaging in the transformation process. So we build leadership capacity at the local level. Uh, we run a women's leadership program. We're looking here specifically at the impact of xenophobia on women. So here you have, uh, you know, we've had a number of deaths of males. They have wives, they have children, they have mothers, sisters, etc. But why the impact of a death on a family is so intense and women have to pick that up. They have to be, they're the ones who absorb it. They're the ones who have to take care of the children, mm. provide education, mm. provide basic needs and so forth. How do we do that when somebody, you know, a, a breadwinner, for instance, has died? But aligned to that, I'm just in, in having this meeting with the women today who are married to foreign nationals. It is clear that the policy environment doesn't take into account what the impact of those policies are on women. And they are all here saying that they are greatly disadvantaged by the particular policies mm. um, that foreign nationals, you know, that apply to foreign nationals. Their children, for instance, often can't get documented for certain reasons and they can't access services. Um, and there are a whole range of problems that they surface for us here, most of which goes around the interpretation of the policy, the poor implementation of that, and then the corruption. The corruption mm -hmm. has had me shocked because foreign nationals have to pay for everything, even for getting information. They ask, give us 1,500 and we'll tell you what the policy is on this or that. And often this, the information is not correct. I was going to say, Dr. Leslie, and I think we need a new, a, a new way of dealing with things outside of government, firstly. And I understand that those processes will always be there and we'll have, but we are getting frustrated with that, with those processes. I think there needs to be another uh, level of, 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 of communication and dialogue that happens that, 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 um, almost underground, if you like. Um, yes. that, that, that. Well, I think I think the first thing is to hold the state accountable for ensuring proper implementation. First of all, uh, policies that are conducive to supporting communities and particularly foreign nationals. That's the first thing. Secondly, is to properly train the officials, and then they have a responsibility to weed out the corruption. It is their responsibility because, as I can see from this meeting, there are groups that help individuals. But for every individual they help, there are hundreds that are not being helped, you know. Mm -hmm. So those, the, 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 it can't be done just at a local level. We need the right policy environment, the right implementation mechanisms, 
and then the monitoring and evaluation, you know, mm. to, to root out the corruption. Mm. People are being horribly exploit, exploited. The dignity of people are being undermined. You know, there's just no uh, kind of consideration for respecting and protecting the rights of people living on our land mm. who may come from other regions. Dr. Leslie Ann Foster, um, so when when is the march tomorrow? Where should people be? And you know, uh, and give us the program, please. Right, the march starts tomorrow at one p.m. Mm-hmm. We're trying to catch a lunchtime crowd as well. Yes, it starts in Upper Oxford Street. That's the main road opposite the museum. There's an area called the War Memorial, so it's sort of wedged between the museum. The only museum we have in East London and the uh, Buffalo City FET College. There will be a big crowd and people will, will be able to, you know, see that and identify people there. Um, and then we will march down to the, to the City Hall. Um, we have a commissioner from the South African Human Rights Commission who will be receiving a memorandum that we are currently working on. Um, on behalf of the march, and we have a set of demands that we will be making to the commissioner at the end of the march. We're also going to have a little ceremony where we have a, a, a ceremony of asking for forgiveness for the blood that's been shed and a cleansing ceremony, I think they call it. Um, a cleansing ceremony also to, you know, because acknowledging that people have died and we are outraged, we are saddened. You know, and we want to mm. to, to pay uh, to honour those those souls that have gone passed on. Okay, Doctor Leslie M. Foster, do you have an and contact details where people can find more information or go onto a website or contact somebody on the phone? Yes, uh, first of all, they can contact Miki Kaniwa. She's the uh, coordinator of this march, and she is on zero four three. Seven four three nine one six nine. They can contact me on my cell phone. No, 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 no. Let's not give your cell phone out. Let's let's okay. let's just keep it. <laughs> I know, but I feel I always yes. feel uncomfortable. So we'll, right. we'll we'll get hold of Mickey on zero four three seven four three nine one six nine. Yes, and of course they can also uh, contact us through Masimanyani. It's Masimanyani www.masimanyani Yes, and then we also have a web page, a Masimanyani web page. I can always contact us on that because somebody monitors that all the time. Fantastic. I thank you so much for talking to us and wish you all the success, especially with the dialogue sessions, because I'd like you to report back to us when you can. Thank you. I'll do that. Thank but, you so but, much. But I hope the all march right. is a great success. Thank you so thank much. You very much. Dr. Bye. Leslie Ann Foster. Bye-bye. 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 Um, and that number again, 043-743-9169. Speak with Mickey if you want to participate at the march in East London.